Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 70 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. And today we're going to pray, Holy Spirit, help us to be a good and faithful friend of God. As I pressed in in prayer this morning, seeking the Lord for what it would be that he would want to teach us today, that we might pray in agreement with his will and his word. And in doing so, I opened to passage after passage about being a friend of God. And it reminded me of a word that the Lord had given me a few years ago that really brought great clarity and freedom and strength to my ability to serve him about the importance and the power of being a good friend to God and recognizing his great desire to be counted as a friend to us. So before we pray today, I would like to play for you that message because I know that it will bless many of you and help you to press through some of the condemnation and limitations that the enemy places on us. Because the word of God says that it is not grievous for us to obey God's commands. And I think that comes when we finally come to truly comprehend that what he says to us, he says as a friend, to prosper us and not to harm us, but to bring us to the end that he has planned for us, a destiny, the reality that his will is for our good because he is good. But in order for him to be that good friend to us, we've got to also be friendly to him and learn to trust in the things that he is saying to us because the word of God says that if we will believe him, then he will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother, that supports, empowers, defends, and loves us more than any other. Tonight's lesson is to be a friend. It's a little different, but it's something that the Lord showed me. He showed me that, well, what happened was Sunday morning, me and Danny got here early before church, um, and he was working on his sermon, getting his final notes together and stuff, and I was in here worshiping and praying before service, and, and I was praying and in the prophetic worship the Lord was coming forth and, and he was starting to say something along the lines of press in or enter in, something to that to, that I would call you friend. And it's like for a second I almost hesitated to let those words come forth. And I, get, I realized that something had been planted in me that had been a hindrance. And it all kind of came together whenever those words began to come out when I was singing those words prophetically that God's like, I'll call you friend. And it's almost like I hesitated and didn't want to say it. And he said, it's not a light thing to be called a friend of God. And I realized what it was. A couple years ago, uh, somebody who was a, he was a minister. He had been in ministry for years and years. And I, I looked up to him and I respected him and all. He made this comment to him, probably pretty much in passing. 
And he was talking about how if I hear one more church singing, I am a friend of God. He was like, you better be a friend of God. Of course you're a friend of God. Come on, let's move a little deeper than that. And it, it kind of put this thought in my heart of, yeah, yeah, everybody should be a friend of God. Nobody wants him to be Lord. Everyone wants him to be friend, which to a degree is true. People have this concept of God being your buddy, but not your Lord. But it planted this seed in my heart that to be a friend of God was something very light, that it was something not that significant or important, and that you could go deeper, that you should strive to be that servant. You should strive to be the one crying at the altar to serve them. And that's true. There are different aspects to God, but it had completely pushed the whole God is my friend aspect off the radar completely. You know, kind of like you can hear a grace sermon that is so far to the extreme that it makes you want to push grace completely off the plate when it's a very important part of the plate. And we do these things, but I didn't realize until that moment in that prophetic song when it was coming forth and God stopped me and he said, it is not a light thing to be called a friend of God. And then a few days later when I was seeking him for the, the message, this started to come forth and he began to explain to me. He was like, think about a friend. If you really think about it, a friend is better than a servant, and it's better than a child. You can have a servant that becomes your friend, but if you have a servant, they have limitations. If you have a child, your child has limitations that your friends don't have. Now, your child, once they are mature, can become your friend, but when they are your children, they are not your friend. Anybody that ever tries to make their children their friend is opening themselves up for a world of trouble. Your children are not your friend. They're your children. You're their parents. It's a different role. Now, once they're grown and matured, they can become your friends. But when they're children, they need to be parented. They don't need a friend, not from their parents. I heard this mom once on Facebook. She was like, y'all need to, y'all parents need to quit trying to be y'all friends' kids. How old are you? Get some friends your own age. <laughs> She's like, if they don't like you, so what? Go cry in the corner, get you some ice cream, get over it. You the parent, you're not their friend. <laughs> but it's true. And when we are children of God, and we are all children of God, but when you're in that child state, it's a different role than when you're matured and you can be called that friend of God. So there are limitations that you have when you are a child, and there are limitations that you have when you're a servant that you don't have when you're a friend. And I had kind of completely reversed this role in my heart that God was like, I want you to recognize that we were friends. And you kind of cut me out of that friendship role trying to be a servant when right now I want you to come in and be a friend. And so I began to realize what he was trying to show me. You can almost hinder yourself out of your intimacy with God. We're going to start in Galatians 4, verse 1 and 2. And it says... Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. It's funny because it was Sunday morning before service that he gave me that word during worship. And then in Sunday school, this is the passage that we opened with, talking about how when you're a child, you're under tutors, and you're really no different than a servant. So children and servants both have limitations. But yet, once you're mature, you no longer have those limitations. 
You can't really do the full work with power and authority for the father until you've matured out of that child state and you've moved out of that servanthood state. We're looking at how to be a friend. Friends have favor. Friends answer when you call. They take your side when nobody else will. They get to enter in whenever they want to, and they are trusted. So it's not a light thing to be called a friend of God. And, you know, I think when this minister said this to me, it was kind of in the era when that song was going on. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. And everybody was singing that, and he was like, like, this is not real worship. If I hear this song one more time, I'm going to pull my hair out. Let's get a little deeper than this, people. And really, it's deeper than you realize. Of course, I didn't know at the time I later came to realize that he was not as spiritually mature as I thought he was. So he was speaking, I think, probably more out of emotions than out of revelation. But I took it to heart, and that's really kind of a testimony of how careful a minister needs to be with their mouth and with their words because you can plant seeds in people that you don't even realize you're planting when they look up to what you're saying and they think what you're saying is from the Holy Spirit and sometimes it's just your emotions. It really can take root and do a lot of damage. So to be a friend of God, and, and he spoke it to me just so sternly, like it's, it, it was like he was insulted, like it's not a light thing to be called a friend of God and to realize that when you truly have a friendship with God, Yes, we are servants of God. Yes, we come in as children of God, and we sit and we learn and we tutor. But he died so that we could have communion with him. And he wants to bring us to that place where he can trust us enough to literally call us friend. Why? Because a friend has favor. A friend is trusted. A friend can enter in whenever they want. Whenever you call, they answer. When you see these people that it seems like no matter what, as soon as they pray, they're touching heaven. There's stuff happening. There's breakthrough. It's like as soon as they call on God, he answers. Well, they're a friend of God. When you call your friend, they answer. When your kids call you and they're, mommy, 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 pulling on your pants, daddy, 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 you don't always answer because you know that a lot of times they're just talking gibberish. There's nothing really significant. But when your friend calls, you answer because you know there's a purpose and a reason. So even when you're a child of God, and sometimes those prayers just seem like, mommy, 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 daddy, 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 and there's no substance to it. He may not answer every one of them because sometimes it's just gibberish. But when you're that friend, he knows he trusts you. He's communing with you. You're getting through every time you break through, but you've got to be a good friend to have a good friend. Proverbs 18, 24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So if you want to be a friend of God, you have to be a friend to God. You have to be faithful. You have to show him that favor and that attention and all of those things that we want back from him. And he will stick closer than a brother. And a true friend will tell you the truth even if it hurts. That's right. That's right. And I think that that's a lot of where the issue comes in. You know, sometimes we take modern concepts of words and apply them and it's not really what the word means um when we're talking about friends here friend of god we're talking about a real friend a faithful friend we're not talking about a facebook friend or modern terms where a person has five thousand friends but it's not really a friend in fact this very passage in another place in scripture says that for a man to have a lot of friends is not good 
that it will lead him to destruction. But there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. This, this passage is parallel to say the same thing in a different passage. When he's saying a person that has a lot of friends really doesn't have any friends. But it's that friend that sticks closer to a brother than a brother that is a real friend. And that's the kind of friend that God is. And that's the kind of friend that he expects you to be to him. To have that, that close relationship. Friends stay close. So we're going to have to look at what it really is to be a real friend. To find out how we can have that close relationship with God. Because there was only a few people throughout scripture that God called his friend. And we want to be counted among those people. But friends stay close. They stay in touch. They abide. You think about who your best friends are. It's the people that you're with the most. They're always close to you. They stick close. They check on you. You talk. You spend time with each other. You abide. The ones that you spend a lot of time with, you talk a lot and you listen a lot. Because sometimes you're pouring out to them and sometimes they're pouring out to you. That's what a real friend is. And if you want to be considered a friend of God, it's going to take spending that time. It's going to take talking with him. And it's going to take listening to him. It's not a good friend if you're constantly just venting to them but never actually ever listening to what they say. Eventually they're going to get frustrated and stop answering that phone call. We have to listen. You visit or commune with a friend. Jesus was always trying to get us get this point across with his many suppers. If you look all through the scripture, he was always having these suppers. And it was all about communion. It was about what you do with your friends. You invite them over for dinner. You sit, you talk, you minister. You have that fellowship, that communion. He was always asking people, come in and sup with me. They were always about communion. When we do communion now, when we take communion, it's really reminding us, to come over, have dinner with God, visit with him, be that friend, have that communion with him. He's still asking us and he's saying, do this in remembrance of me forever to remind yourself that I want you to come in and commune with me. I want us to be friends. I want to be more than your God and your Lord and your master, though he is, those things are required, but he wants to be our friend. Jesus didn't come down and suffer and die and go through everything that he went through just to make us all slaves and servants. He already had that. He could have commanded that. He wants friendship. He wants to be able to bring us into the Holy of Holies. He wants to have that, that closeness. I think a lot of people hinder their ability. You know, we, we taught on the anointing and the anointing, we traced it back to that the anointing comes on those who abide. And those that abide are those that are friendly, that are friends with God. So if we have this concept that he is Lord and he is, and he is master and he is, but we don't balance it with that he is also a good friend, then we're going to be too fearful to enter in. And then you won't be able to abide. And then the anointing will never come. The anointing only flows when you come to that place where you're truly in friendship with God, where you trust him like a friend, where you love him like a friend, where you run to him with your problems and you listen to him and you know that just like that friend, whenever they go to rebuke you, it's not because they hate you and they want to lord over you. You know that they love you enough to be telling you the truth, even when it's not what your flesh wants to hear and you don't get offended with them for it. That's how you know that it's a friendship. So when we have this mentality with God, he can correct us and he can direct us without us getting, um, 
condemned or without us getting this fearful or getting this offense towards him because we know that he is a good friend. Friendship goes both ways. You can't just run to him when you need something. You must also answer when he comes to you. A friend can come to you anytime that they want or need. So a good friend, you can go to him anytime you want, but you also have to be there when they want to come to you. It's the same thing with God. To be considered a friend of God, we've got to be going to him, but we've also got to be ready and willing anytime he wants to come to us. We've got to be willing to receive him. It can't be one-sided. That's not a real friendship. We can't just say, okay, I'm going to come to you when I need something, but when you're calling me to come to you, but I'm watching my favorite TV show, I'm not going to answer the door. You wouldn't do that to your friend. If you are a friend of God, then you can come into his presence anytime. However, if you are truly a friend of God, you will receive him whenever he comes to you. Also, you'll turn the TV off, you'll put the phone down, and you'll answer the door as soon as he knocks. So, if the Lord is calling you to come and talk with him, and you won't put the phone down, Facebook down, TV down, or put away other things, whatever's distracting you, even other relationships that are not true friends, to come and talk with him, then you have to examine your heart and say, am I really being a friend? to God. Because if you're a friend to him, he'll be a friend to you. Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Again, we're coming back to this, this image of having dinner together. Because in that culture, that's what friends did. They came together and they shared food, they shared supper, and they talked and they communed. So, this is the key to abiding, having a friendship with the Holy Spirit. Because remember, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. It's the Spirit of God. It is the presence that we entertain in this world that connects us to God. So if we want to abide, then we have to answer when Jesus calls, not just when we go to him. We have to have a two-way friendship. This is the key to abiding, and abiding is the key to the anointing. Make yourself a good friend. And allow him to be your friend. Because it goes both ways. There are things that we do to make ourselves good friends, but we also have to remember that he wants to be our friend. And we have to let him be our friend. We have to let him come into that role, that closeness, and, and have faith that he really wants to do that, because he does. Jesus taught many and was worshipped by many, but only a few did he call friends. Jesus is calling. <laughs> Those who were with him most were the ones that Jesus called friends. Those who answered when he called. Those that abode with him. That he could trust to listen to him. If they trusted him, he trusted them and called them friends. There's a few things that Jesus himself identifies as what he considers to be a good friend. Those that did what he asked them to, those that trust him, and those that spent time with him. The door is always open to a friend. It's easy for them to enter in and sup with him. And this was basically the line that God had given me about come in, enter in. I stand with the door open wide, enter in, come in and sup. I call you friend. 
And it was like, as soon as he told me that, he's like, I call you friend, come in, enter in. It's easy, the door is open, come in and sup with me. It's almost like I didn't, I, I almost shunned to hear that because I had already, this thing had taken root in my heart that to be called a friend of God was something disrespectful almost. But it's not. And he told me it's not a light thing. This is, this is important. You know, some people I think have problems even entering in because they're keeping themselves out because they don't feel like it's, it's disrespectful to come in almost. And he's like, the door is open. I'm calling you friend, come in. And that's not a light thing. In fact, let me show you in scripture how few I called friend. When you truly come to that place where you're willing to accept that, that he calls you friend, that he wants you to be his friend, and if you'll accept it and walk this out, it actually makes it easy to enter in. Because, Dylan, you can come to the house anytime you want, right? Have we ever told you don't come in? No, because you're a friend. So... If we come to that place where we recognize that we are a friend of God, we'll recognize how easy it is, and the door will be open every time we go to enter in. This is why some people seem to have a direct connection to God. They have become his friend, not just his child or his servant, but his friend. It is not a light thing to be called friend of God. All right, in the time of Moses... All of the Israelites were God's chosen people, but only Moses did he call friend. They all worshipped, but only Moses was called his friend. Friends can ask favors that no one else can. Friends stick together, and friends look out for each other. If you recognize God as a friend, and he recognizes you as a friend, you can ask him things that other people can't. And it's gonna, he's going to do those favors. He's going to move on your behalf. And it's crazy with Moses because not only did he constantly ask God favors on behalf of the Israelites. You think about intercessors. Those are people. Intercessors are people who have become a friend of God. And so people who are not in right standing are going to them and saying, hey, bring, bring this prayer request to God because I know he listens to you. The door is always open to you. Moses was like that. He was always bringing the Israel because they were in sin. And so they didn't have that direct access. The door wasn't open to them. So they would bring their request to Moses and Moses would go to God and be like, could you please, could you please, on their behalf, the door was open because he called him friend. Moses wouldn't go to the promised land without God. Friends stick together. A true friend of God is not going to move on their own. They're not going to go without him. They're not going to leave him behind. Moses looked out for God's name. And God looked out for Moses. When Moses interceded on behalf of the Israelites, when God was about to destroy him in the wilderness, really he was looking out for God's name. Because he told God, he said, no, no, if you wipe them out now, then their enemies who know that you have taken them out into the wilderness are going to curse your name and say you took them out here to kill them. He was looking out for God's name. Did, did God need Moses to defend his name? No. But don't you think it blessed God's heart that he wanted to? If somebody's talking bad about Jessica and I defend her name, she doesn't need me to defend her name, but it's going to make her feel good that I did. And I think that's where, Mo where God was with Moses. I think it, he didn't need Moses to defend his name, but I think it made him feel good that he did. And so God was always defending Moses also because friends look out for each other. It's not a light thing to be called a friend of God. In Exodus 33, verse 9, we read, 
And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped, every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again unto the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou, sayest unto me, Bring up this people, but thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. So God was telling Moses, I know you by name. In other words, Moses is saying, you know me, you call me friend. And thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in my sight. In other words, you call me friend. So if I really am your friend, show me now thy way that I may know thee. Now, this is interesting because he's saying, if I've really found grace with you, if I'm really your friend, then make this make sense to me. Show me your way that I may know you. That's interesting because Jesus later says in the New Testament that you're no longer servants, but you are friends. You are sons and I call you friend because the servant doesn't know what the master's doing. The friends do. So this was Moses actually showing that forth in the Old Testament. He's like, if, if I have found favor, you call me friends, you, you speak to me face to face, then show me thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee. Of course, this was when God had told him that he wasn't going to go with them. They could go, but he wouldn't go with them. And so Moses was praying because he didn't want to go without God. And so after all of this, God tells him, okay, my presence will go with thee. And I will give thee rest. And he said unto them, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherewith shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, and all the people that are upon the face of the earth. In other words, I won't go without you. And if the people go, then I'll be separated from the people. Friends stick together. And if you are a friend of God, you're going to take God's side, even if it makes you separate from everybody and everything else. You're going to stick with your friend. The whole world turns against them. You're going to stick with your friend. If you, if you are a friend of God, it doesn't matter who comes against it. You're going to take God's side. He's, Moses told him, if you are staying here, even if it separates me from all of these people. And at this point, Moses had been laboring for these people for no telling how long. Years at this point. And he's like, I'll let it all go. I'm going to stay where you are. And the Lord said unto Moses... I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And the Israelites were actually blessed because of Moses' friendship with God. When you got friends in high places, the people around you kind of reap some of the benefits too. So, characteristics of a friend, you trust a friend, a true friend. Not modern terminology friends. Yeah, they're my friends because I go to school with them. They're my friends because I work with them. They're my friends because they're on my social media. That doesn't count. We're talking about a real friend. 
You have to trust them for them to be a real friend. James 2.22 says, Seest thou how faith wrought with his works? They're talking about Abraham here. How he mixed faith with works, and by works was faith made perfect. In other words, he proved himself. A good friend doesn't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. They prove their friendship. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God, because he trusted God. For them to really be your friend, you have to trust them, and you want them to trust you too. So, Abraham trusted God, and God trusted Abraham. Why did God trust Abraham? Because he had faith, and he proved it by his actions. So if we want to be a friend of God, we need to trust what he says, and we need to listen. And when we mess up, he's a good friend. He understands that. It's when we willfully rebel and we know what he's telling us, then we kind of become a Judas. That's not really a good friend. When you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it, that's kind of betraying his friendship. That grieves the Holy Spirit. That causes that door to begin to shut. But he's there. He's willing. He's ready. He wants to have good friends. He wants to be your friend. He wants to help you get there. As long as your heart is to trust him and to walk that out in obedience, he wants to be able to trust you. He's going to help you to get there. But until you are doing that, then you're not technically a friend. You can still be a servant. You can still be a child because children are still in the learning, but you're not in that place where you can really say, I am a friend of God until you're willing to trust him and obey. John 15, 14 through 15 says, and this is Jesus speaking, Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Remember, Moses in the Old Testament was telling God, if, if you really call me a friend, then explain this to me. And he made things known to him. And here we have Jesus in the New Testament saying, I call you friends if you do what I ask you to do. Because if you have a friend and they don't listen or believe anything you ever tell them and they never listen to you at all, I mean, are you going to stay friends with them very long? You can't trust them. You can't have a friend that you can't trust. You may have patience with them, and when we're children... He has patience to train us up. It's not to say that you are not God's child, but we want to get past that child mentality into that I am a friend of God. The door is always open unto me. I have access at any time. He's listening every time I call because he knows I'm only calling for a reason and it's not mommy, 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 daddy, daddy, daddy. We want to be mature Christians with no limitations, because remember again, the servant has certain limitations and the child has certain limitations. But the friends have rights, abilities, and access that far exceed that of servants and children. They are only limited by their faithfulness to maintain the friendship. They can come at any time and ask anything of their friend, and their friend will patiently talk with them, teach them, Help them, encourage them, love on them, correct them, empower them, whatever they need. Because that's what friends do. A friend corrects and directs in love, 
and is able to receive correction and counsel from his friend because he knows they care for them and are trying to help them. We kind of mentioned that earlier. That is a huge aspect. I think that a lot of people feel condemned when God tries to correct them because they've lost this mentality. If you're looking at it from the aspect of just a servant, then every time you get a correction, it makes you feel like I did my job wrong. Because you're looking at it like I'm like his employee, I'm his slave. Oh my gosh, I'm getting correction. That means I messed everything up. I did the job wrong. I'm going to get fired. But you look at it from the aspect of a friend. When a friend tells you, hey, um, you probably shouldn't do that, shouldn't say that, or shouldn't wear that. You don't get offended with them. You know that even if you don't like what they're saying in their heart, they're just looking out for you. You, you correct it and you move on. Then you can take that correction from God knowing that he loves you. He's speaking to you as a friend, not as a taskmaster that's telling you you messed everything up and it's destroyed and it's over. He's telling you, you know, from one friend to another, this is really going to mess you over. You, we all had that friend that told us to stay away from that girl or that boy. It's bad news. And you didn't listen to them, you know, or don't go on that job. I'm telling you, I worked it before. It's going to mess you up. We know they're not trying to be mean or controlling. Even if we don't listen to them, we know that they're just trying to look out for us. It's the same thing. It gives you a different aspect of why God is doing the things he's doing, why he's saying the things he's saying. A friend can tell you what no one else would without offending you. If you are easily offended by God's correction, then you are not a friend. A friend would know that he loves you and is only trying to help you. You may be a child. That's not to say if you're easily offended by God's correction and I say, well, that means that you're, you're not a friend of God. You're like, oh no, I'm not saved. That's not what it's saying. You might just be a child because children are easily offended by correction. <laughs> from somebody who works at a school. <laughs> Children get offended by correction because they're learning. Or maybe even an enemy. Enemies are always offended by correction. You know, the Bible says to be friends with the world makes you an enemy of God. So you can be a friend of the world, which makes you an enemy of God. You can be a friend of God, which really makes you an enemy of the world. And then in between is kind of like servants and children because you can have an employee that's not your friend, technically, but they're not your enemy either. And your children are not really your friend, but they're not your enemy either. They're growing up to, but you can have a servant who becomes your friend and a child who grows up to be your best friend. Simply this, there's great individual characteristics of all three. Yeah. Being servant, child, and friend. Right. Because really, we want to be all three. Right. Paul said, Paul said that when it comes to malice, be innocent like a child. But yet, when it comes to other things, be mature, be as men, or he's, I'm paraphrasing, yeah, but basically, right. in those aspects, take the good aspects of the servant. And here's the thing every servant will not be a friend, but every friend will be a servant. Because the friend is going to have the good aspects of the servant and the child to be a good friend. You want to keep those good aspects. Really, the servant and the child aspects are things that things are being weeded out to make you that good friend. We just want to recognize this so we can get there because you'll stay in that servant mode when God is ready to promote you to be a friend. He's like, come in, the door's open. I want you to be a friend. And you're like, no, I'm a good servant. I'm staying here, you know. And he's like, no, get up. I want you to be a friend. With God, it's always the balance because 
he's showing me through this that for you to be a friend, you have to obey me. But at the same time, don't keep yourself out of communion because you think it's humble to be the servant when I'm opening the door and calling you in and saying you are my friend. You know, and when you recognize that you are in that friend state, you have the faith because you know he's got your back. As a servant, you it's like what are you doing to serve? But as the friend, you know he's got your back just because he's your friend. And I think it's important to remember that the devil has twisted and perverted biblical truths. And so don't shut out the biblical truth just because you're disgusted by the perversion of it. Though you get disgusted by somebody who says, oh, God's my buddy, but they're really not a friend of God at all. The door is not open to them. And so then we cut, we kick ourselves out of the door because we don't want to be associated with them. Well, if that's the people that are calling themselves God's friends, then I'm not that. And now he has no friends because the fake friends have run off the true friends. And that's what bad friends do. Bad friends run off good friends. And just and if you're a true friend of God, you're going to want what's best for God. And that's going to help you to walk out holiness and righteousness because you're going to want to look after your friend because he is your friend. Not because he's your boss or your master. When you have that love and that true friendship, you want to do right for him. And you want to look out for him. And you want to help others do right because then that covers his name also. That's why Moses was praying the intercession prayer that he prayed. God, they're going to look bad on your name. Don't do that. You know, you're gonna, it's gonna help you to walk out that holiness when you truly have that friendship. Proverbs 27 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. Now you think about that when iron sharpening iron, you're thinking about two edges grinding against each other or two swords chipping away at each other. It's talking about friendship. So, I'll use me and Jessica because we're safe because she's not here. <laughs> so if I tell Jessica something that I know she probably won't like, look, I noticed this about your character and you need to fix it. Love you, but that's going to hurt you in ministry later on. That's like that sword, hitting that sword, and it's chipping away a piece of that metal. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, I know this about you. I saw it, and you need to change that. And it chips that away. But we love each other, and we don't. we might – might possibly be like you totally missed God on that and then we go and then God like confirms it 150 different times and we come back and like you know what you were right she's like yeah you were right too and so that's iron sharpening that iron. sounds a lot like truth it sounds actually I'm kind of pla- I'm playing no, I mean, it up a little that from life circumstances it does happen <laughs> I'm playing it up a little to make it a little funnier we actually usually do just receive from each other for the most part because we want to sharpen that iron. But at the same time, it should be that way with Jesus too. If he's our friend, then he can tell us something and it might chip away part of us and might be unpleasant in the moment, but we ought to be able to receive that knowing that he loves us and that he's just trying to progress us further. And even if in the immediate it pricks our flesh, we should have enough you know, trust in his love and his friendship to know, you know this is really for my betterment. I need to listen to him. So the iron sharpens iron. It's making that point, that edge, ever so more sharp that, so that it can cut. And, of course, the sword is the word. So it's making us able to bring forth that word because in the Miranda and Jessica example, if there are character flaws, then it doesn't matter how perfect our word is until that other stuff is chipped away. It's hindering the use of that word because it's messing up your testimony. 
So when your friends help you and correct you, or when Jesus tries to help you and correct you, it's because he wants to make you a sharper sword. He wants to be able to use you to deliver his word. But until he's able to get these other things off, it's going to mess up the testimony. So we've got to trust him, let him work it, don't get offended with him, know that he loves us. He's not trying to kick us out the club or, or beat us down. He's just trying to help us to be able to walk out that calling that he has for us. Proverbs uh, 27, same chapter, verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. If a friend tells you something and it wounds you, it's really their faithful love for you that they, like Daddy said in his example, I loved you enough to tell you the truth because I didn't want you going to hell. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Somebody that's willing to flatter you, tell you whatever you want to hear, in their heart, they are not a friend. They are your enemy. Jesus is a good friend. He will tell you what you need to hear. Even if it wounds you in your heart a little bit, it's for your own good. The devil, he is a deceiver. And he will kiss you. He will betray you with a kiss, Judas's kiss. That's what he does. Be careful of flattering friends that never want to tell you the truth. They are not your friends. A friend is someone you enjoy. Going back to thinking about the characteristics of God as your friend. A friend is someone you enjoy. You enjoy spending time with them. You enjoy talking to them. And you look forward to seeing them. So check your heart. If you don't enjoy prayer, if you don't look forward to spending time with God or take pleasure in obeying him, then you're not his friend. Go make friends with him. If you make friends with him, you will start to enjoy these things. It might be awkward at first. It usually is when you first meet someone that you've heard a lot about, right? Especially if you already thought you were their friend and you weren't. A little awkward. But get to know him. Come to love him. Enjoy being with him and working together with him. The more you choose to be a friend of God, the more you will come to enjoy the time with him. You'll look forward to that prayer time because you won't be facing the condemnation or the guilt or the fear that makes you want to just run away from it. It's not a job anymore. It's a friendship. Become a friend of God. And our last passage, can you believe it? 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Right? Because what did we just say? If you truly are a friend of God, you will enjoy because friends enjoy spending time together, talking to each other. You look forward to it. This is how you know that you've become a friend of God when his commandments are no longer grievous to you. So, if you're not in that place, it's not all lost. Maybe you're still growing into that place. But make efforts to become that friend because we talk about how a child is not your friend. Your child is your child when you're training them up because they're a child when you're teaching them. But when they're mature, they become your friend. So the quicker a child matures, the quicker they can become your friend. And everybody matures at different ages. Some mature at 15, some mature at 45. If you want to be a friend of God and you want to be a friend of God early, grow up. Mature. Spend that time. Be a good friend. 
and you will have a good friend. He wants that friendship. He wants that communion. He wants that relationship. Let it happen. Choose your friends wisely. Kids, choose your friends wisely. You are who you spend time with. Spend time with Jesus. If you're a friend of the world, you'll be an enemy of God. So therefore, if you're spending all your time on TV, on Facebook, on social media, you're spending your time with the enemy. You're going to end up being more like the enemy, more like the world. Spend your time with God, and you'll be more like God. You are who you hang out with. So today we truly pray, Holy Spirit, give us a revelation of the character and love of God and his determination to get us to that point of spiritual maturity where he can have true communion with us, fellowship, friendship, because that he knows that he can trust us. Holy Spirit, we pray, come and prick our hearts today. Take the blinders off. Cause us to understand the things that you say. Lord, change us by your word. Wash us, sanctify us. Help us to comprehend and absorb and be changed by what we've heard today. That we would not be satisfied staying on the milk, but that we would press on to the meat to become mature sons and daughters of God. That we might come to that place where we can work with you, where we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit, where we can work together to accomplish your mission, unified by the leading of the Spirit, functioning as the body of Christ, God, that we would come and abide and truly treat you as a friend, a good friend. Oh God, help us to not be selfish. Help us to see you as you really are, as a true person with personality and a heart. Lord, that we not grieve you by our pride and arrogance and trying to do things in independence, but that we would recognize you as a friend and humble ourselves to come to you when you need us, when you call to us, when you want that time, that holy visitation, when you want to bring us revelation, when you want to prepare us for things that are coming because it is part of the mission of the Holy Spirit to show us things to come that we not get off track. Because if we are just running around and expecting you, Lord, to clean up our messes, then we're acting as children. We are immature, but we want to be mature in the spirit that we would follow the leading of the Lord and work with you on the missions that you commission us to do. We don't want to spend any time wandering in the wilderness, waiting for you to clean up our messes because that we have been rebellious children. God, we thank you that you have mercy on us in the early seasons, but there comes a point at which we hear your voice clearly and we have got to humble ourselves and be a good friend and hearken unto it with humility. So God, we humble ourselves before you today and we repent of all the times we've strayed and acted in pride and rebellion and arrogance. When we thought we could move on without you, when we didn't love you enough to reverence your presence and your truth and your wisdom and your direction. How immature that is of us, Lord. We want to do better. We want to be a better friend to you because you are a good friend to us and we want you to be able to see us as such. 
not just as small children that you are constantly having to correct, not just as servants here simply to fulfill a task, but as friends who love you and care about you and can receive those deep words of revelation and correction from you that can be pruned to produce the peaceable fruits of righteousness and be more like you. God, cultivate humility and faith and obedience in us because we know that you desire fellowship, communion, because we know that you desire more than mere service and surely more than mere lip service. You desire men and women after your own heart. You desire friends, faithfulness, love, compassion, trust, which leads to obedience without grievance. Teach us how to love so that we can receive your love and remain in your love, recognizing that if we truly are your friends, we will trust you and abide with you and keep your commandments. And they will not be grievous to us, but it will be a joy to run to your presence and a desire of our heart to visit with you daily, to hear what you are saying, and to work in union with your spirit. God, we've heard your word today. Help our very being to hear it and be transformed by it and to daily pursue it and abide in it until we are renewed by it, that we might be ever pleasing to you because you are worthy. You are worth it. And I love you. And I want to because you want me to. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.